0: Good afternoon and welcome to What Comes Next Live. It's five o'clock in the UK and as you can see, I now have lighting issues because it's now dark at five o'clock because the clock's changed here. For our American audience, the Brits are two weeks ahead of you as they always are twice a year with the clock's changing. Um, so our guest this afternoon, uh, coming live and direct with better lighting than me from level 39. Um, in Canary Wharf is Ali Arslan. Um, Ali is a member of the Genie Shares community and those who caught up with the podcast last week uh, will have seen me talking to Ben Braben, whose idea it was and who is the champion for that. And uh, in homage to that, my virtual background today is a picture I took from the level 39, the best coffee shop in London, the level 39 coffee shop. Um, so... Uh, shows what comes next. So I've not met Ali before, but I look forward to hearing his story um, for him to introduce himself. And we shall talk for half an hour about what comes next. Over to you, Ali.
1: Hi, there, Tom. Thank you very much for um, inviting me to what comes next. Uh, it is a pleasure. Um, my name is Ali Arslan. Uh, I came to the UK when I was nine years of age in 1989. So you could figure out what my name is now. <laughs> And um, so I, I come from a, a, a small village in Turkey, a, a hazelnut farm, which I always emphasize when I tell my story. And I studied electronic engineering at King's College London, and I briefly worked for the Ministry of Defense at various technology products yeah. projects. And for the last seven, eight years, I, I've been doing my own entrepreneurial work, uh, startups. I have a good number of uh, failed startups under my belt, which I'm proud of. Uh, they've, they've taught me a lot, Tom. But slowly, I, I think I want a winner. Uh, I onto some good, uh, uh, potentially uh, valuable projects uh, that uh, that that will be hopefully will, will will make value for people using it, and will be a success very soon. Uh, let's see what what comes next.
0: Actually, let me just go straight into something you just said. You've got yes. a number of failed startups under your belt. Yes which you're proud of. Yes, of course. Uh, Now I'm, as somebody who's been an entrepreneur and also invested in entrepreneurs, that's a topic, how people approach both how they approach failed startups, but also their definition of failure. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on being proud of failed startups. I'm really intrigued.
1: Um, So I think what it shows is, I mean, I, I really think a person with two failed startups is a, a, a better prepared person than someone with zero failed startups because, uh, you know, I've, I've had the journey, I've, I've made the mistakes, um, and, and I've learned a lot from it. Uh, as long as I don't make the same kind of mistakes, I, I think it will be a sort of a learning curve that I will take for the rest of uh, my life. Um, uh, one of the failed startups was I had an SMS marketing company. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like seven, eight years ago, and it was going really well. I mean, I had over 450 pizza shops uh, that I did SMS marketing for uh, in in London. So if anyone's received an SMS marketing from a pizza shop, an unbranded pizza shop, uh, it was most probably from my systems. However, after GDPR when GDPR came into effect, that, that automatically failed because pizza shops hadn't, you know, they didn't have consent for SMS marketing. So it was something that I wasn't prepared for and, and, and I didn't know, and, and that's why it, why, why it failed. I then moved on to um, doing a very similar thing, but with WhatsApp. Uh, as, as you know, WhatsApp um, has an amazing penetration rate a reading rate of 98%. It's much better than sms everyone uses it my my mother uses it uh my my children use it everyone loves loves whatsapp and um i did you know before whatsapp business was out we were the second company in the world that actually did whatsapp business so there was no whatsapp business we 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 did whatsapp business it was a company called Campaign Up, me and a co-founder and uh, we are very proud we we managed to sell our services to the uh, Conservative Party uh, and, and and Theresa May uh, was leading the Conservative Party then. This was just after Brexit. Uh, it makes me very proud because being at level 39, having that sort of reach, uh, having Conservative Party sign a document, an NDA document, and having them actually, um, we, we actually, uh, are, I'm actually very proud because we actually made them uh, take a step back because their initial NDA, Tom, said that we're not allowed to brag about it. We cannot tell anybody about our services that we provide services. To right. But what we told them is, hey, look, if you want that sort of agreement, you're going to have to pay the full price Is the price list. Or if you want, you know, the uh, sort of kind of offer that we are doing, then we want to have some sort of bragging rights. And it went up and down sort of very senior levels. And then they sort of fenced uh, what we can say and what we can't say. And I'm very happy and open to say that we, I have actually sold technology to the conservative party. I could say that they used our WhatsApp platform uh, for some of their constituents, some of their campaigns. However, soon afterwards, uh, WhatsApp blocked all our accounts. So our underlying technology is WhatsApp. So it was the next GDPR for me. Again, something I wasn't prepared for. I had very senior talks with uh, WhatsApp people uh, in the UK. And what they said is there are four sectors that they don't give WhatsApp to. Uh, health is one of them. Betting is one of them. Um, um, people, uh, so, debt collection agencies is one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finally, politicians is one of I understand debt collection agencies, but why politicians? It's, uh, I suppose it's kind of a debt collection agency, who knows. <laughs>
0: and given their own by Facebook is even more ironic.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, so, so this is, this is way above our pay scale, this is Mark Zuckerberg stuff, and I don't think it's gonna change very soon. Uh, and uh, and and that uh, we, we we are just not able to provide uh, services to politicians. So then again, my uh, campaign upstart failed up as well. Uh, but but I've learned so much uh, from uh, building those companies, selling uh, selling our services, um, meeting lots lots of amazing people. Uh, uh, so I I had a, a really good team. Um, so I'm actually very proud of it. Um, if I was to go back in time, would I do the same things? Yes. Would I do it differently? Absolutely, I would do it differently. Uh, but, but life is a learning curve, Tom, and uh, I've learned a lot.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, my, I can't remember the precise quote, but I think there's an Edison quote around, you know, before he invented the light bulb, he said he just, he didn't fail. He just ten, found 10,000 ways to succeed differently. <laughs> and so you could be, you know, uber positive thinking about this. However, it's the, you know, when I, when I totally agree with you, having been an investor, if you put, um, two identical business propositions next to each other, one of the things I'm looking for is how many times have you failed? Oh, you. What, and if, if the person has never done their own, their own business before and they, you put them against somebody who has but <laughs> failed, I'm already leaning in to the person who failed. Um, however, I'm leaning in towards them. But the next, the answer to the next question is really important. What did you learn? Um, because you got hit by black swan events, right? Like when you started, you didn't know there was going to be um, a highly unlikely event with a high impact, like COVID has been for the world. Um, but GDPR and who was to know that WhatsApp would blacklist politicians and block you. Um, so it's, it's, it's always, I'm always interested in what people learn. Uh, the classic one for me, not in tech, is restaurants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, almost every successful restaurant uh, went bankrupt once.
1: Absolutely right.
0: It's not a terribly difficult business to have a winning formula on, I would say, having done it a lot. Um, but if you go got bankrupt more than once, yeah, I'm probably not interested. <laughs> but there's some very key learnings that most restaurateurs just think they've got a great idea and they just rock into it. Once they have a winning formula, you know, my next question is, is this your first restaurant? And if they've got a winning formula, the answer is almost always no. I've done this before. <laughs> it failed. What did you learn? Uh-huh. And they'll always learn the lessons that need to be learned plus a few others. So, um, so that the, um, so we, you know, I just jumped into that conversation about what comes next. Um, so you've got, so you've got several things, um, on the go right now. Um, and without getting into trade secrets or anything, talk about pick one of them and tell us from what you've learned in your entrepreneurial journey, what, what have you done differently to, perhaps reduce the risk of being landed on by a big black swan.
1: Yes. So, for example, right now I um, have a visa and business consultancy firm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, and it is flourishing uh, thanks to Brexit. So everyone is in a big rush to get the, the current visa status that is available now. So what we specialize in is the uh, business visa. So. Uh, the Home Office has uh, different tiered levels of business visa that is available to entrepreneurs and people who have some amount of investment they could make in their startup. And um, we we only got two months left, so there's an influx of of applications. Uh, what I did differently this time, Tom, is that um, I borrowed uh, different methodologies from different uh, sort of you know, successful companies. So, for example. We do not have any full time staff. Um, we call them partners and they work for us on a contract basis. So what that means is that uh, think of it like an Uber driver. So um, a potential client becomes a case and we will fill uh, all the documents needed for that case and, and submit the visa application. So um, we uh, months ago it was just three of us in the company right now there's uh, uh, 28 people so we had a phenomenal growth wow that, that is a phenomenal growth but it's it's all thanks to my uh, learning curve from my my um, startup background so we have like uh, think of it like uber drivers we we have uber consultants so mm-hmm. some person may say hey ali this week i cannot take uh, any cases you know yep. i'm very busy i'm doing something else some person might say I'm actually available and I could take up to three cases. So depending on how available they are and if they're willing to accept such cases, those, those customers, I'm, I'm able to distribute as many or as less cases to, to my team as possible. So we made this uh, amazing sort of system where we are very scalable. So, so for example, if, if we uh, had double the number of potential clients coming in, I could quickly add five or ten more consultants and I could pass pass on the cases to them because we work on a on a case by case basis on a on a contract basis, yep. which means that i could I could scale up very quickly and scale down very quickly and everyone is 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 happy it, it's a win win for all mm-hmm. what we've also done is because we have a huge team of twenty eight consultants, say someone is uh, applying for uh, for a health tech business they want to set up a health tech business in the UK. So out of these 20 consultants, we connect them to the consultant who has a background in health tech and who has had some success or failures in health tech. So when we make that connection and they have this 30 minutes free introduction call, the potential client is already amazed because they are speaking to someone who (laughs) lives in, in the UK who has this amazing experience in the health tech scene. So, so they speak the same language. So it becomes a conversion much more easier uh, than if they were to speak to someone who's not in a the industry, mm-hmm. for example. So I, I borrowed all these models from uh, you know successful businesses, and it's actually flourished mm-hmm. right now. Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of uh, Co Legal. Uh,
0: very cool. So specifically, what was the key thing, key learning you took from prior experience to? Ch- how le- le- do you land on that model? Is it as simple as just don't employ people? <laughs> or is it more complicated than that?
1: Um, no, no, I mean, th- th- there's nothing wrong with employing people. Absolutely. But, but if you are in a domain where you cannot foresee the amount of work you're going to do, for right. example, growing from 3 to 28 in yeah. two months is huge. a huge problem. Then, then it's very difficult to, to to employ people anywhere, and so it's 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 a bit more costly. So uh, I'm not saying we are the most profitable company, but but definitely we we, we are a very you know high 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 quality, uh, scalable company because we worked on a on, on a consult basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. I mean, I, I I'm I lived in the Caribbean for 27 years, and I'm yes. just today what they call in England, exchange contracts on a, on my first house I bought here. Um, and for those overseas, England has the most archaic and fixed with sticking plasters and Band-Aids um, land and property sale system. It's surreal. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. So exchanging contracts simply means that after three months, the contract is now firm it's ready to to, to close what was really interesting to me is the mix of an arcane and archaic system with people have seen the gap for what is effectively a commodity um doing the legal work um and i paid less than 400 pounds right before the different search fees and stuff but for this um, and so it's incredibly and, and it's done through effectively what it sounds like you're doing with that business is you're an introducer. You created a portal to introduce people. right? Um, and interestingly yeah. enough, my lawyer worked out that they could take on as much of this as they want by automating as much of the system as they could by having the client do the work of uploading documents onto a portal, sending reminders, etc. And so I was ready about six weeks ago. The other side of the equation, this, the seller of the property, their lawyers charge a little bit more. But I would imagine they're going to make a lot less right? because they didn't have it automated and everything was done with phone calls and letters and uh, in 2020. So it's just fascinating seeing the gap. Somebody saw the gap for these introducer services. And of course, in the UK, they've had this has been a big thing for a long time with things like insurance, retail insurance. Uh, and it's so funny because it doesn't really exist the same way in the USA. Uh, their legal property system is not the same. It doesn't work the same way. Um, and so the fees are much higher. It's just, it fascinates me when people see the gap and it's a, going from three to 28 in two months is quite fascinating. So, you know, as you mentioned, giving an example of that to pivot a bit, um, you know, Brexit will happen. So I, I guess one of the learnings, conscious or otherwise, was to, Go go with the opportunity. All right. Um, you might have another business that's import export and, you, and you'll be going, right, well, I can export a ton of stuff from the UK in the next two months. And then I'll, then I'll probably get no orders for the next three or four months. Right. But meanwhile, if I've got a business visa business, that's going to keep thriving. It won't have the same rush on as it does right now. But, you know, it's like you see an opportunity when people start putting friction in the system, like Brexit, there's going to be an opportunity for the people who can alleviate that, right? Um, so really cool you're doing that. So, um, what, what comes next for you as an entrepreneur? Let's look at it being entrepreneurial. What gaps are you seeing? You know, yes.
1: um, Tom, I, I, I am a self, uh, self identified, uh, WhatsApp expert. That's, that's what I call myself. Uh, so the two of my startups are based on WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Um, That journey, uh, like the communication between people, businesses, uh, communities, it really excites me. Like first people were writing letters, then there was the fax machine, uh, then I suppose there's there's the SMS, there's the email, and now uh, WhatsApp has sort of dominated even even business messaging. For example, with our uh, visa, a business consultancy, I receive around 200, 250 WhatsApp messages a day and and maybe about 10 emails a day. I mean, that that just shows you how much my business has moved to WhatsApp. Every of our clients, uh, every one of them, they have WhatsApp messages and they prefer to write WhatsApp messages because they know that the the end person will will read it and respond to it much more quicker than an email. Uh, What really fascinates me is, I still couldn't figure out if, if you could please help me, but what comes next after WhatsApp? I mean, there is going to be something in, in five years time. It's not going to be WhatsApp. What it is going to be, I do not know. Uh, if you do know or if you have any uh, hints, Tom, please, please let me know.
0: Well, two thoughts occurred to me from that. Um, yes. one is, and both of them are what I would call, cause I'm, I always come with a coaching mindset and coaches always looking for what's the, what sits behind everything. And we I tend to call that context. So if I if I raise the context a little bit, imagine we're walking through the forest and we look just to lift our head above the tree line so we can see how far the forest extends and what the weather's like, etc. So the first thing is you're a WhatsApp expert, but at a certain level, um, if I perhaps gave you any business that involved communicating between the business and its customers, Right. You would probably be able to go. This is a way you can do all or part of this better by integrating WhatsApp. Right. So, actually, you're in the business communications business, um, but you're seeing a gap because people don't use WhatsApp. So the other thing, the thing that then links to me is I, I've of course got no idea what's going to emerge. But what you're seeing is, you know, I'm, um, I moved to the Cayman Islands in 1989. At the time, it had the largest number of fax machines per capita in the world. Right? Oh. Within five years, the fax machine was obsolete, obsolete because of email. And what was email about was about immediacy. What was the fax machine about? It was about immediacy. Because if you lived in a small island of the Caribbean, where, when there were law firms looking for work to move around the world very quickly, you had 24/7 fax machine office, um, fax rooms going all the time because you couldn't afford them, everything to go by letter, and FedEx only arrived once a day. Even during COVID, FedEx large wide-body aircraft arrive in the Cayman Islands most days. They still, still lawyers still need hard copy documents sometimes, right? Um, so. I think if you raise the context, if you lift yourself up off the tree line, is what's the solution that WhatsApp provides that was previously provided by somebody else? But I'd also say perhaps your expertise is what are you seeing that others don't see that can be addressed with WhatsApp? Because it would never. What you did say is that people respond to WhatsApp more quickly than emails. That's really interesting to me. If you remember. A number of years ago, there was something called Viber that was quite well used, mm-hmm. um, at least in the Americas. And then, of course, you had MSN Messenger and you had text and you had WhatsApp. And they all came about all at once, roughly. And I had a team, a business I ran, who were very different generationally. There were quite a spread of ages and backgrounds. And to communicate within the team, it took ages for us to create a standard of how we communicate. right? Because some preferred different platforms. Some of the younger people didn't even have email loaded on their smartphones. Oh, I don't check my emails on my phone. I wait till I get to my laptop. But if you WhatsApp me, I'll reply. <laughs> so that's just fascinating to me to be reminded that people respond to, cause email, cause I guess the thing with email, WhatsApp and the famous blue ticks, 98% of people read them, right? Um, yes. or almost instantly, very quickly, the tyranny of the blue tick, we could call it. I'm actually a huge fan of Devere Off. I'm a huge fan of, uh, Jason Freed and David Hennemeyer-Hansen, who run Basecamp, um, a, a startup that bootstrapped with no funding and now makes tens of millions. And they're big believers in asynchronous c- communication. But then they're coders, right, writing code. You know, they like to concentrate. But you're, you're, what you're saying is that people, there's an expectation it will be read and responded to. Whereas email's much more asynchronous. So with that in mind, I guess my thought process is twofold. One what, what is the solution that you offer as an expert in this that any business watching this or listening to this later could say? I need to talk to Ali, he's an expert on this. And the second thing is my answer to your question is it's going to be something about immediate response. And what might that yes. be in five years? It might be do you remember the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise? Yes, of course. And there's a point where he's trying to run to escape, but because he, they can do iris recognition, he's running through a shopping mall and the ads on the electronic billboards change and talk to him as he w- runs through there. You know, we have given up privacy for convenience years ago with social media. So things will become more and more instant and people will start having body, mod- body mods. And so you'll just get the computer inside your glasses or on, on, your, on your eyeball. And you'll get an alert with a tick. <laughs> I don't know. So, what are you? What are you expert at?
1: So, I, I think the answer to your question is 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 not. I mean, immediate response is only half the answer. Yeah, Tom. Uh, I think the correct answer is the immediate right response, the immediate personalized response. That that is uh, actually what makes the deal. So, I mean, marketing has changed uh, so much over the years. I mean. If you go back 10, 15 years ago, you're a big brand. You get a celebrity to to, to endorse your your brand. You put it on newspapers, you put it on TV, Gosh, it's it's done, right? But right now, you, you, you have to have an omni-channel. You have to be on all the different social media. You have, you have to have a golden thread that sort of connects all the different parts together. So one person seeing Instagram immediately recognizes the same contact on Facebook or Twitter, etc. And these are all different... Platforms and even that is not enough. What 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 is happening, uh, where it is going right now, uh, albeit slowly, I think, is that I I would see different personalised messages, marketing from the brands I love, than to the um, messages that you will see. For example, say we both like Ted Baker. We are big big fans of Ted Baker. Uh, When you open your Facebook.
0: As we probably both are, it would seem. <laughs> yes, of course, I love Ted
1: Baker. Uh, for, for example, when you open Facebook, you need to see uh, Ted Baker adverts for maybe like shoes, and then I may see Ted Baker adverts for yes. jackets because that is what I am in the mood of buying or or, or looking for. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not just a Ted Baker advert. It has to be the right Ted Baker advert that needs to go to your eyes. And that takes, I mean, it's it's really easily said, but the technology behind it is actually, uh, very
0: complicated so that what's the so yeah absolutely i mean let's just assume which i think may be a good guess that we're both ted baker fans but we don't get so we get retargeting ads following us around the internet already right when we yeah. buy stuff at their, at their website but yes you're right it's not oh he likes shirts he likes jackets he likes shoes um so there's two things around whatsapp for me one is that it's linked to your phone your cellular phone number and most people don't change their cell phone whereas they might change their email address. So it's a bit like the, the evolution will be towards something implanted in your body probably. Um, but what's the specific, you know, what's the specific edge? I'm not seeing it because I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not seeing why, what, what makes WhatsApp a particularly valuable tool for increasingly mass customized marketing? Um, I mean, d-
1: there's, there's amazing stats about how quickly the messages are read, are responded. And so, um, as a brand, Tom, you have to be where the eyes are looking at. And right now, the eyes are looking at uh, mobile phones. And on the mobile phones, they're looking at WhatsApp. Um, so, in the morning when you wake up, whether you're a teenager or uh, you're a man of my age,
0: you know, Or a man of my advanced years. Yes, I look at WhatsApp.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you at your WhatsApp first, and before you go to sleep, you check your WhatsApp last. So it 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 like throughout the day, uh, WhatsApp follows you, and you uh, actively engage with it because uh, WhatsApp has managed to come into your personal space, i.e., the space that you have connection with your family and friends, and if you're able to bring the brands you love that in, in there as well, selected brands, not all, because then WhatsApp will fail and turn into the next email. Then it will be actually very valuable for you. So if you are mm-hmm. looking to buy a Ted Baker shoe and you had that Ted Baker shoe on sale and it came to your WhatsApp, you are very likely to, to, to engage with that. Hmm. So, um, but, but, but it will take some time. Tom.
0: So I'll throw an idea out. I have a friend who has a history in, Supporting political parties around campaigns and they told me around a year ago at the time of the general election in the UK that they were waking up in the morning after the evening news and news night or whatever. And they were deciding what might the messaging be in public by this evening from last night. And they were able to run focus groups with A, B and C, D marketing in eight hours nationally. Wow. And so I guess as long as you're not in a blocked category, such as politics, so they clearly weren't using WhatsApp, um, healthcare and the other two you mentioned, uh, maybe if people are actually wanting to do lightning fast alternative approach comms or marketing testing, you're probably the guy to talk to. Right, because they can turn it around and go, okay, how many people do you want to talk to on WhatsApp? Uh, how quickly do you want them to respond to your messages? Okay, we can, we can be polling people on products or brands in half a day rather than three weeks. Yeah, sorry, I've, you've got my entrepreneurial juices going. This was not the, the, I never know what to expect with a conversation. Um, we should, um, just take a, a minute to, uh, tell us what Drew you to Genie shares to link back to, to Ben Braven and Genie shares, and what and what have you committed to that?
1: Oh yes, I mean, thank thank you much for giving this opportunity. Um, so so I love the idea of Genie shares, uh, giving back to the community, giving to key workers, especially during COVID period. Uh, they have done amazing work, and when Ben mentioned uh, the Genie shares project. I immediately fell in love with it, and I have pledged 1% of my startup wishlist alerts uh, to, to go to a deserving member of the NHS, and I, I really want to make wishes alerts a success and uh, maybe not even stop at the 1%, but I, I really would, would like a deserving, uh, you know, un, unsuspecting member of the NHS uh, you know, community, um, key, key worker, to to, to be very, very, very happy one day and receive something that they, 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 they didn't wake up to receive.
0: They didn't wake up to receive. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so where can we find you online?
1: OK, so um, uh, so so my LinkedIn is, is Ali Arslan. Uh, my my startup is called Wishlist Alerts. Uh, my visa business consultancy is, is called Core Legal. And my social impact project is called Community News Matters.
0: Community News Matters, that's correct. Yes, Community News and Matters. Of course, we have genius.com and Genius. I, I, I'm very lazy, so I choose to make this easy for the guests and myself, so I don't put show notes for the podcast. But okay. on the webpage, What Comes Next Live, and on the YouTube links, you can find Ali through that, and I know he has all of this information on his LinkedIn profile. Um, so it's been really fascinating. Um, Getting uh, uh, a what would you say a repeat entrepreneur who has learned from his succeeding in different ways and is now got three and I'm sure several more to come entrepreneurial ventures on the go. So um, absolutely fascinating. Um, thanks so much for for joining us and yet another interesting guest on what comes next live. Thank you, Ali.
1: Thank you, Tom.